This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, episode 26. What does the Bible say about school shootings? Now, I know it's still been pretty recent since the most recent mass shooting in Texas. Obviously, condolences to the family if anyone happens to listen to this. The point of this, as always, is to look into the Bible and see what God says about it. So, no, the Bible does not address specifically school shootings. Obviously, they didn't even have guns when the Bible was written. But there are some very clear principles in the Bible that we're going to discuss, and they do deal with exactly this sort of thing. So, number one, the Bible tells us we must defend the innocent. And children in school who have done nothing wrong are innocent. I mean that in the broad sense of the word. They're not in the act of committing a crime. They're not doing anything illegal or immoral at the moment when a school shooter walks in and pulls the trigger. They are innocent children. Number two, as Christians, the Bible teaches that we must arm ourselves and prepare to fight evil. Number three, we must seek truth and spread the truth, not lies. So let's dig into it really quick here. Uh, the first one is defend the innocent. And there's tons of verses about this. But uh, in Jeremiah 22, verse 3, it says, Thus saith the Lord, execute you judgment and righteousness and deliver the spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor and do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, nor the widow, neither shed innocent blood in this place. Two things we can get out of that. One, we're supposed to execute judgment, which is a sentence or execution of a lawful punishment. We are supposed to punish the evildoers. And number two, we should not shed innocent blood. There you go. So if somebody sheds innocent blood, we are to execute judgment upon them. And then Exodus 23, 7 says, Keep thee far from a false matter, and the innocent and the righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. Again, two things in this verse. Stay away from lies. And do not kill the innocent. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. There is specifically a time to kill and to make war, and that is for justice, to enact judgment, and to protect innocent life. Genesis 9, verse 6 says, Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For the in, in the image of God made he man. 
Someone who murders somebody else deserves to die. James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Psalm 82 verse 3 says, Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Christians must be willing to aid the innocent, those who have nobody to help them in their time of need. We have to be ready, willing, and able to administer justice for those who are afflicted, those who are suffering. So that's the first thing. The Bible clearly teaches defense of the innocent. And there's other places where Jesus himself talks about suffer the young ones to come unto him because people were saying, no, the kids need to go away while you're talking. He's like, no, no, no. I love the little children. There's lots of verses about God talking about his love for little children. So just so you're aware of that, that would also fit into this need to defend those who cannot defend themselves. So the second point is arm yourself and prepare to fight evil. So number one, of course, the Bible does say that we have to do that spiritually. Ephesians 6, 13 through 19 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So here's why this is important. It's not just a spiritual battle. It's also got truths in there about how to go about fighting. Number one, it says, prepare ahead of time. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. It's not saying it's in the evil day. It says, prepare yourself, take the armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you're ready. So we need to prepare to fight ahead of time. So think in the context of schools, right? How do you prepare? Number two, truth is of a primary importance. The Bible said, fight for what is right, know the truth, stand for truth, be knowledgeable. It says, having your loins girt about with truth. You need to have the truth on your side. And then defense is key, not just offense. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Do you have a shield? Do you have a way to protect the innocent, right? Not just yourself. Offense is a must. You need to have a weapon to actually fight with. It said the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right? Because we're talking spiritually here. And then it tells you to prepare your mind ahead of time before the battle. It said praying always. Well, that's getting yourself mentally prepared to fight. Be vigilant. We have to keep a lookout. It said, and watching thereunto. What are you watching for? You're watching for evil. Not only are you preparing physically and your mind, but you are keeping a lookout to look for the evil so you are ready and you can turn and face them and fight them. And then finally, it tells you, you must actually take action. You don't just stand down like the cops did all the time and watch what happens. No, no, no. Paul said that I may open my mouth boldly. In this spiritual battle, he is prepared and he takes action and speaks out against the evil. 
So we are required to prepare, have truth on our, our side, have a defense and an offense, prepare our mind by praying, be vigilant, keep a lookout, and then take action. Do not stand down when innocent people are dying. So that's spiritually, right? And we have some principles in there that we can apply to this physical world. But let's get into where Jesus actually tells us what the Bible says about being physically armed. Keeping in mind, of course, that the weapon of soldiers back in those days of armies was swords, spears, and bows and arrows, right? So when the Bible talks about swords or bows and arrows, it is primarily speaking about weapons that soldiers of that day in the army of, in all the armies, the Israeli army and the Roman army, that they actually carried these weapons. So what weapons do armies carry today? Primarily guns. So I'm going to equate a sword to a gun, even though the Bible doesn't specifically say that. So keep that in mind. Jesus said that he wants his followers to be armed. Were you aware of that? Luke 22, 36. Then said he unto them, but now he that has a purse, let him take it and likewise his script. And he that has no sword, let him sell his garments and buy one. If you don't have a gun, God exhorts a Christian to buy one. Buy a weapon of soldiers of your day to be prepared. Here's another instance Jesus actually had a weapon. Remember when he chased the money changers out of the temple? He literally paused to make a weapon when it was appropriate. It's not like he made weapons all the time and sold them or anything, but it was appropriate at that time for Jesus Christ himself to make a weapon. John 2 verse 15 says, And when he had made a scourge of small cords, basically a type of whip, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew their tables. When it was appropriate for righteous reasons, Jesus was violent. The Bible teaches us in lots of passages, especially in the Old Testament, that many righteous men of the Bible are strong men who are warriors ready to stand and fight. Psalm 144 verse 1 says, A psalm of David, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. God taught him how to fight. Also, this is, goes for everybody. It's not just kings of the Old Testament or Jesus himself who are allowed to fight, not just his disciples, but all Christians are supposed to gladly arm themselves and fight for their sons and daughters. So we'll take the example of the nation of Israel uh, back in Nehemiah's day. Nehemiah 4 verse 13, Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. We're talking about fighting for our children here, right? Against an enemy who's wanting to come in and kill them. That's literally what that passage is about. God told everyone to arm themselves on multiple occasions. In Joel 3 verse 10, he said, Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. We are supposed to have weapons to defend our families and our children, even to the point of carrying those weapons to work. Being armed while you are working. 
and having a separate person designated to look out for violent people is a common principle in the Bible. There's two passages specifically I want to read here. Nehemiah 4, 17 and 18. They which build it on the wall and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought the work and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. Sounding the trumpet, that's a watchman, right? Second Kings 9.17 says, And there stood a watchman on the tower in Jezreel, and he spied the company of Jehu as he came and said, I see a company. And Joram said, Take a horseman and send to meet them and let him say, Is it for peace? So you have a man watching at the door on the watchtower where people enter into the city or maybe people entering into the school, right? So Christians actually have a duty to be armed and to be ready to take out evil. Psalm 149, one of my favorite passages, it's only like 12 verses long. Starting in verse 5, it says, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. Now that passage is explicitly about Christians rising up against evil governments and nations, but it does reinforce the need to have a sword to deal justice. The saints must have a sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the heathen and punishments upon the people. Keep in mind, fighting is dangerous. You have to be smart about this. So don't be afraid. Rather, be prepared for what may happen. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. We have no need to be afraid of what may happen, right? We don't pick up weapons because we're scared. We pick up weapons because we are determined to fight for what is right. And you need to understand that fighting should always be a last resort, but sometimes it is necessary. And many times when you do fight, it will bring you personal pain. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. How many of you parents would be willing to lay down your life if you knew it meant your child lived? I would. I don't want that to happen. But that would be the greatest love that you can have for someone is to be willing to lay down your life for them. When you think about that school shooting, if I'm there and if I am armed and I have any sort of opportunity to fight to take out the school shooter, I should, even if it means that I get shot, right? There's a meme out there if you're the third monkey on the ramp to Noah's Ark. All right, I don't know if you've seen this, but just Google third monkey and it's kind of funny actually. But if you have to fight, fight like you're the third monkey on the ramp to Noah's Ark and brother, it's starting to rain. And that's kind of funny because You know, everyone knows that Noah was supposed to take two of every animal. I know that some of them were seven, depending on the types of animals. But generally speaking, it was two of every animal. So if there's two monkeys and you're the third one and they're going to say, no, you can't go. Well, fight like your life depends on it. Right. So that's actually an important thing to think about. Do not think that I am telling people to just blindly and ignorantly go get guns and fight. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying According to the Bible, it is the Christian thing to do 
if there are innocent lives at stake, be willing to fight, be willing to risk your life to help an innocent, right? And then the third point, of course, is to seek truth and spread the truth. Do not deal in lies, right? Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Proverbs 8, verse 14 says, I am understanding and I have strength. By me, understanding, kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Christians are supposed to seek truth. How can you understand something if you don't know the truth of it, right? So when it talks about understanding, we're talking about having knowledge of the truth, whatever the case may be. And then when you have that knowledge, you have understanding, you can use that in a wise way and do the right thing. So understanding and wisdom all deal with truth and knowing that truth produces wisdom. It gives you knowledge and then the proper use of knowledge is by definition wisdom. Proverbs 4, 5, and 7 says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather than to be chosen than silver? Truth is crucial in a Christian's life. Satan is the father of lies. John 8, 44 says, You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there was no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Lies come from Satan. Christians should not deal in lies. That should be a no-brainer, right? We must deal in truth and be a light in the dark world. Ephesians 4.25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Colossians 3.9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. The reason why this is so important when it comes to school shootings is all of the mass hysteria and the news media and the government regulations and the, and the talk in society about it deals in lies. I'm going to expose those here just very quickly. The truths regarding school shootings. Number one, guns aren't the problem. Kids used to bring rifles to school and actually have classes on how to use them. Back in the day when kids could order rifles from Sears Roebuck catalog without any IDs, there were no school shootings back then. Rifles and guns were more readily accessible to children. And in fact, children were trusted to take them to school and go to the shooting range with the teacher and learn how to properly use them, and nobody got shot. Guns aren't the problem. We have more laws, more restrictions, less access to guns, and now we have school shootings. So let's stop that lie right there. Number two, assault rifles is a lie. Those words don't even go together in the English language. Assault is a verb. It's an action. When someone is beaten to death with a hammer or fists, we don't call them assault fists in the news, or it's an assault hammer that killed the guy. No. The idea of an assault rifle is purely a political falsehood to convince people that they don't have a right to self-defense with guns. That is a lie. Stop calling them assault rifles. Military-style rifle for AR-15s is also a lie. AR-15s have a lot of times plastic features or, or metal guards on them that make them look scary and they're black so they look like military rifles. Look, I'm a veteran. 
Okay, I had a military rifle. My gun was the 240 Bravo. It's a full auto machine gun. That's a military rifle. M4 carbines are military rifles with burst and full auto capabilities. AR-15s are not. In fact, AR-15s are less powerful than most hunting rifles. So that whole discussion of military style rifles or assault rifles is a complete lie. Not to mention the fact that some people actually still believe AR means assault rifle. And it doesn't. That was like the name brand of the first people that made it back in the 60s or 70s, whenever it was. A couple other points. People who murder children are already breaking the law. Murder is illegal, in case you didn't know that. And yet these people are still murdering children. Making another law for them to break won't stop someone who's already planning to murder, right? Having a no guns allowed sign didn't stop them from planning to commit the murder and then walking in past that sign and murdering people. So let's stop with this idea that we need to make laws. They're committing murder. Is there not a law against that already? Here's a big one that gets me. The lies that people tell, right? Armed cops with bulletproof vests were given an order to stand down when children without guns or vests were being murdered. Why is that okay? Oh, they were waiting for SWAT. They were waiting for, you know, the right directive. They were waiting for a plan. Really? Really? That's what you're going to do when your kids got a gun pointed at them? You're going to stand there and, and write down a 10-point plan on how you're going to stop the guy before he pulls the trigger? No, that's not right. Just because they were given a stand-down order does not make it right. A police chief gets that job, a police chief, by demonstrating that he can act during dangerous circumstances to enforce the law, protect the innocent, and keep bad guys off the streets. As a Christian, you and I, we need to seek the truth. What would make a police chief who knows that children without guns or bulletproof vests are being murdered? What would make him issue an order for his men with guns and bulletproof vests to stand down while those kids are being killed? Seek the truth. Ask the questions. Here's something else true about school shootings. The FBI has been aware of almost all of the school shooters before they killed anyone, and the FBI did nothing. Almost all of these school shootings have happened shortly after they did an active shooter drill at the school with the police, and yet the police waited, stood down, or waited for back backup for an obscene amount of time, allowing for mass carnage before breaching and taking out the shooter. Why? Especially after training just days or weeks prior at that specific location. Look it up. The information's out there. They literally had active shooter drills at those schools days and weeks prior or the month prior. And yet they waited until dozens of kids were murdered before acting on their protocols. Why? Listen, we don't allow teachers who have been trained in weapon safety with concealed carry licenses to carry guns to school. We don't. We don't put armed soldiers at every school like they do in Israel. Yet we have gun-carrying guards protecting every member of Congress, every Brinks armored car that carries money, every courthouse, every celebrity has men and women with guns who are trained in them, who are properly vetted, who know how to use them and are safe, protecting them, but not children. Why? Why does our government specifically prohibit the protection of our children? Every single school in America is a gun-free zone. Why? Now, I understand in some cases, like Parkland and some of these other schools, they do have cops assigned to the school. I forget what they're called, but specific 
police officers with guns at the school already, right? They're, they're stationed there. But you have the same problem as everything else. The cops don't stop the shooter. So why not? Oh, well, they were given a stand-down order. They're just following orders, really? We need to start asking questions. Christians are to search for truth, right? So the conclusion is this. Christians need to question the narrative. We need to seek out truth and stop the spread of lies. Why? Because as a Christian, you have a right and a duty to protect innocent lives. And to do that, you must be armed. Jesus himself said that if you don't have a sword, the military weapon of that day, to sell what you have and buy one. Now, don't be stupid about it. When you do that, you need to train, just like David said, King David, to be safe and effective with a weapon, and he was wise about when to use it. Psalm 144, verse 1, a psalm of David, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war. He trained, he learned and my fingers to fight. Be wise. It's time to speak out for the truth. It's always been time to speak out. But this is very important because innocent lives are at stake in this. As always, you can email me at angrypatriot42 at yahoo.com. I would love to hear from you and respond. I will personally check those emails and respond to you. And we can delve further into some of these issues if you have deeper questions. Until next time, God bless you.